Yeah, it's kind of the same thing I say with Active Campaign, right? It's a blank canvas. You can do anything you want. The problem is it's a blank canvas and you can do anything you want. So, <laughs> um, exactly. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about all things sales, funnels, and marketing automation. I'm your host, Barry Moore. I'd like to thank you for stopping by and listening today. Today, we've got uh, a little bit of a departure. We're normally talking about software tools that can help us automate, um, but one thing you can also do is get people to help you automate as well. So um, we're going to talk to Charles Valher from Outsourcing Angel, which is a VA company that helps you uh, source and locate VAs. And we're going to talk about the most effective way to work people into your automation. So if you're going to create some SOPs for a particular process that you have in your business and you want to get other people on board, some virtual assistants on board to help you with that process so you're not doing it all yourself, which you shouldn't as a business owner and an entrepreneur, uh, we're going to talk about the best way to work some virtual assistants into your business. So let's get into this week's episode on automating with people. All right, I'd like to welcome to the podcast Charles Valher from OutsourcingAngel.com.au. Welcome, Charles. Thanks for having me, Barry. Uh, I wanted to get you on the podcast today to talk about VAs. You know, Outsourcing Angel is a uh, managed VA company here in Australia, and they provide VAs to pretty much anybody who wants them to work in their business. So I think it's a great topic to kind of compare and contrast um, software automation versus people automation and, and where you can use each to its to its best effect. But before we even get into that, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about Outsourcing Angel and what is a VA for those people who don't know what we're talking about yet? Yeah, great place to start. So um, I'll start with that. So a VA is essentially a virtual assistant. So very similar to how an assistant is perceived by most people, but it's just they obviously live online. So they're virtually an assistant to you. As for um, outsourcing angels and what it's all about, there is um, effectively, it's as you mentioned, a hiring company for VAs. So we take the work out of kind of finding and training the right people and then positioning them in your business to do really effective work. Yeah, okay. And I, I think that's an important point not to overlook. You know, um, I know maybe you and I both travel in circles where um, we either have VAs or we know people who have VAs uh, or we're around entrepreneurs all the days that are preaching about getting VAs in your business to kind of help you scale. Um, but for those of someone who's never done it before, <laughs> it can be a bit of a, a daunting task because typically those VAs, not necessarily always, but typically they're overseas somewhere. Um, so you're not being able to kind of touch them, feel them, talk to them, put your hands on them um, and have that face-to-face kind of meeting. So um, I think a lot of people can have a bit of trepidation around getting started. So maybe we talk about how we get started. So, um, you know, obviously here at the Active Marketer, we talk a lot about software automation, using marketing automation, sales automation in your business. Um, but you don't want to, you know, even I will tell you, you don't want to be completely software focused. The way you're going to distinguish yourself from your competition and the rest of the market is by having more human touch points uh, in your business than, than anybody else, you know. So I think 
that personalized service that you can give people is what really makes you stand out from the crowd. So um, let's talk a little bit about software automation versus people automation. There are some tasks probably in your business that are better suited to having real people do them than just some automated software routine. Um, so what kind of things uh, are your VAs that you place? What kind of tasks are they doing to great success in other people's business? Yeah, look, that's a great question. And I suppose it's, you know, which side are you on, the man or the machines? It's um, very much that way. Like as much as so much software is fantastic, I just don't think it does have that personal touch or it's not there yet, as you mentioned. So some of the best stuff I kind of look at and go, what can we get off the plate that is something is like your thinking tasks that we consider very, very day to day. So a great example of that might be your help desk. So if a client or a customer contacts you and they need something solved, uh, one way of solving that might be, you know, an automated email that says, you know, thank you, your um, inquiry is now in the queue, which is, is great. It is a contact point. But then having a virtual assistant um, then take that task and make sure it's dealt with and then responding to the customer, letting them know it's done is where that human element kind of comes into the arrangement. Yeah, so I think, too, a lot of people might have some some misconceptions about VAs in, in what they can do. Um, I've seen, you know, people with VAs with horror stories about, you know, <laughs> quote-unquote, they can't do anything. You know, it's always been a giant mess. And I've seen people whose whole business runs off VAs and they hardly ever touch their business themselves at all. So um, what are some common misconceptions you see from your clients around starting to get working with VAs? So that's a great um, question, Barry. It's actually something I've got a unique positioning where I've got to see a lot of people and how they've worked with VAs. And honestly, we see the same. Some people do amazingly with them and then some people do horrific with them. In all honesty, there are terrible horror stories out there. Um, I mean, when I started, like I, I this is you know years ago and I got my first VA, um, it was an absolute nightmare. I um, got on Odesk at the time, and I'm not against Odesk by any means, but I love the idea of leverage. I got on there and I hired someone, and it was just a disaster. And I came kind of came to the conclusion that you know virtual assistants don't work; um, they're a waste of time. I'll just hire you know local staff that I can be in the same room with. Uh, it was only down the road when I kind of you know reflected on it and said, "Oh, actually, that was me. I was the problem." So I think a lot of it is um, being prepared and having things in place for your VA to do well. And that comes back to, you know, things like having procedures and having tasks planned out. A good buddy of mine actually recommended a piece of software to me, Dave Jennings, uh, called Rescue Time. Yeah. And he said to me, he goes, look, install this on your computer and then see what you actually get up to for a week. Now, uh, what Rescue Time does is kind of track where you spend your time on the internet um, and I thought, you know, we'll put it in there. It's going to tell me, oh, wow, you're spending way too much time on Facebook, um, which wasn't actually the case. Uh, my biggest problem was email. I was spending a lot of time in email and I was like, okay, well, if I'm spending three to four hours a day in email, how is it going to be possible for me to get anything done? So straight away, I knew if I could find a VA who could help me manage my inbox, that was going to be a really good task to get off my plate and a really kind of high point of leverage. So that's where we kind of look at, you know, that's the places to start. What are the things you're actually doing that you can have a go at removing and kind of trialing that out? And that's where people get a lot of the success from. And what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So you I definitely find those leverage points where, you know, the big le the, the lever can move a big rock um, and you can be more productive. But what do you think actually is is the root cause of that, you know, quote unquote, VA horror story? Um 
for most people. Is that, do you think that just comes down to the fact that they don't really know their business as well as they think they do, or they don't have it organized as well as they think as they, as they possibly should? Like, is there some sort of root cause in there for most of those horror stories? Yeah, look, uh, it's a combination of these three, I reckon. It's like uh, number one is it really can be the person. Sometimes you can just get a dud, but that could be in any business, and we do see that. People love to lie on resumes and interviews, um, and I'm not putting that down to virtual staff. That's just in general. Um, so if your hiring process isn't very thorough and you actually do end up with a dud, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. The second part of that is if you're um, expecting a clone and uh, someone who's just going to come into your business and be you, then you're doomed. Um, they don't exist. And if they did, they'd probably start a business to compete against you. <laughs> exactly right. So um, that's kind of the second one. And then the third one is like everyone can be really um, excited and getting a VA and things like that, but they never account for the time they need to put into them to develop them to be strong. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, kind of across those three is where I see the biggest issues. Yeah, I, and some of that certainly rings true when I first started working uh, with my first VA I think it was an interesting is an interesting mental exercise in my own head, and I'm sure it's fairly similar for kind of uh, entrepreneurs out there. It it really kind of makes you look at the business in a different light. Like when it's all you, and you're just you know, maybe you and a couple outsourcers that you outsource pieces of work to. That's really easy to manage, right? But as soon as you need to start explaining your business to someone else that's working inside of it, it makes you look at it in a different light and go, right, I really don't have these processes in place. Everything's in my head. Um, so I don't really have a business. That's not even, that's not a real business, right? That's not something you can sell. It's not something you can replicate. It's not something you can scale. So I think even just the process of doing it makes you a bit more honest about what your own business looks like if you're, if you're any self-reflective at all. Oh, 100%. And I mean, that's one of the reasons at um, Outsourcing Angel, like we do have a 30-minute session with every client before we even give them a VA is for that check. Like we want to spend time with someone kind of looking at those things and helping them kind of identify it in the beginning because if someone's not ready or they haven't had that process yet or they haven't already had a VA and they're ready to introduce someone, um, there could potentially be some pretty big holes in the business and it's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. All right. So... um so maybe even let's back up a point. I was going to ask you how you find a good VA, but I guess let's even back up a point. Is like, How do you know you're ready to find a VA? How do you know you're ready to hand over work? Yeah, good, great question. I guess, you know, step step one is like going through and making a list of all the tasks you actually think you could get off your plate. Now, if you can't write any tasks down, that's a pretty good red flag. <laughs> um, the second point from there is like I would look at all the software you're currently using that could be taking up your time. So if you're someone who sets up a lot, of we- a lot of webinars or anything like that and you go, wow, really, like if someone else did this and used these tools for me, um, that would save me a lot of time. And then the third way is, as I mentioned, rescue time, the uh, bit of software. If you can actually really isolate where you're spending your time, that can always be a good place to start from what you should be getting rid of. Okay, cool. Um, and I think maybe too one of the misconceptions is that you can find some VA that knows your business as well as you can do and you can just take over <laughs> without any training and just kind of knows what you're thinking. I think that's a, I've seen that, not for me, but I've seen that happen to a few other people as well. Oh, I tried that, Barry. That was yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, All right. So um, we've had a look at our business. We've had a look at the, at the different processes that are going on in our business and we figured out we want to, we want to try and get a VA to help us out with some. So, uh, you know, uh, 
how's a good way or what's a good process to go about defining a good VA and weeding, weeding them out from ones that aren't so good or ones that are lying on the resume, so to speak. Yeah, look, I really stand by this. And like, obviously, we do find VAs and I'm always going to say we're the best option. But if you're not yeah. going to use us and you're going to go into the wilderness, the best way I can say is, you know, like, take your time, interview well, and then always do a paid audition. Like, make people come into the business and actually pay them um, for a day to do a trial or even a couple of hours just to see what they've really got. Because what can be really hard when you haven't got a VA is if you're only comparing one person um, and you're trying to decide if they're good or not, you've got no comparison. But if you gave five people the same task, um, chances are you're going to see a very big difference between the five. And there'll be a standout or there might be two standouts, but at least that's kind of going to really give you the difference over just you know straight hiring off, off an interview on Odesk or Upwork. Yeah. And so you find that standout or those standouts and you say, all right, okay, this person, this person's the one that we're going to go ahead with. So how, what's a realistic expectation of of how much time you're going to spend? Like they're not going to be effective, probably not going to be effective, you know, tomorrow. You probably need to train them to get them familiar with your business and how it works and what you need them to do. So um, what's a realistic kind of ramp up time for that sort of thing? Yeah, so um, my VA now, Juvie, who is an absolute rock star, um, we've been uh, together for probably about oh, seven months. I got her a while ago and like I had her from – you know, day one of working with her in the first month, there are some challenges. There's a lot of communication time and just kind of moving those things up. But it's kind of like a snowball um, accumulating, like it gets bigger and moves faster down the hill and then gets quicker and quicker to the point where, you know, we're six months in now and she knows me very, very well and a lot of the things she can already anticipate for. So to get someone from, you know, day one, if you look at the long term in six months, things are going to be very, very good. Um, when they start kind of being efficient is probably about that month two when you started to get those one or two crucial tasks off your plate. And then it's all about kind of, you know, just one thing at a time. What's that one task I can introduce this week and get some practice in so that they can take that task the whole time? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that kind of leads into my next question is what's the best way to train them? So how, what's the best way to get them up to speed with your business? Yeah, great question as well. So I'm a really big fan of um, ScreenFlow. I think that's hands down the best way to do training. If you can record yourself doing a task and talking through it, so that's really important, talking through yourself doing it and why you're doing it that way, you've just created um, a resource that can be a, you know, a standard operating procedure for one, so they can save that and review it whenever they're doing that task. And then two, it helps them get kind of a view on how you're, um, how you're going about the task so they can copy it. So that's a really important from there. But then the next part, like if you really want to get great quality work, it's spending time and correcting their work and talking through what they've done and allowing them to improve. So the first time you do anything is effectively going to be the worst. And if you've got the patience to go, all right, let's do that again and again and again, it'll get to a point where, you know, you are getting a really high quality work as you would do it off that video. Cool. And then, and then so what tools are you using in place for, for one, for communication, that communication back and forth? Is that, you know, something as simple as Skype or um, are there better tools that you can kind of look over the shoulder, if you will? And, and, and how are you organizing those SOPs? I imagine over time when you start creating these standard operating procedures, they, you, you're accumulating a library of procedures you've somehow got to track and, and they've got to be able to find the procedure that they need. So what are there some tools in there that help with that? Oh, I have to laugh because I'm actually the worst at this. I, <laughs> like, I only know this because I've made the mistakes. <laughs> so don't do this and you'll be fine. So first off, don't use email. Email is terrible. 
Um, the amount of things I've lost in email over the years is just astounding. Um, so Dropbox, we're a really big fan of for kind of um, if you are going to use ScreenFlow to record something, Dropbox is where we store it and then we try and give it a label. That was how we started out and that was a really good system. In more recent times, we've actually moved everything into Podio. So what we do is, um, and Podio, just for those who don't know, is effectively like a project management tool, much like Trello or Asana and things like that. But effectively, we started kind of, you know, every time we make a procedure, we store that in Podio so it's really easy to find. And if we do have to train a new staff member, then effectively they've got a library already sitting there of how to do things. Um, the tools itself I mentioned is ScreenFlow, really good one from there. Um, Podio actually has a free version. So if you wanted to start with that as well, it's also available. As for day-to-day -day communications, I'm still a really big fan of Skype. Um, I think it's really um, great for quick communications. I know a few guys are using Slack, but I guess there's a little hidden gem here as well. As I actually use Facebook chat with my VA for the simple reason it has voice recordings. So I found it to be really effective to be able to leave a voice message with my VA also. Cool, yeah. Um, yeah, some other tools that uh, you know that, that I've seen used and that I use. So um, I've got all the SOPs just documented as Google Docs, and then those are all organized with a, a like a Google Sites intranet. So you can just go right. Oh, I'm looking for this procedure here. Bang, there it is. Great option. Yeah, Slack. I'm a big fan of uh, big fan of Slack, but um, there is a bit of a learning curve there. It's not quite as easy as just popping open Skype and having a chat with somebody. That's for sure. Um, but if you invest a little time in it, it's pretty cool. And obviously, uh, you put me onto Podio a while back, and uh, I'm uh, becoming a big fan um, because it's so basically customizable. I think the problem, the problem I've had with a lot of kind of project management tools in the past is you you buy the tool and you have to do the workflow their way. You know, whatever workflows inside the tool. Whereas Podio, you can customize that workflow into an almost annoyingly infinite degree if you want to. Well, uh, you're talking my language, Barry. Like, um, I'm, I'm probably one of the biggest fans of Podio out there and uh, could do a whole other episode just on Podio if you want to. Um, but I agree with you. Like, it's fantastic from that customizable point of view. The challenge is when you've got freedom to build anything, it can become quite overwhelming. So a lot of people kind of get stuck at that point. But if you can stick it out and work on your system, I think Podio is the ultimate. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing I say with Active Campaign, right? It's a blank canvas. You can do anything you want. The problem is it's a blank canvas and you can do anything you want. <laughs> um, exactly. So I think Podio is kind of the same way. And um, tell us a bit about how you – speaking of Podio. So I think Podio is a good tool if you if want just for managing any process in your business, whatever that process is, because you can mirror what you're doing now and put it into the tool, which may or may not be a good idea. But um, – at least you've got it documented in the process is now in a tool that you can outsource elements of that, that process or certain tasks associated with that process to different VAs and different people. Um, but I know you've, um, you've, you've taken Podio to kind of the next level. So um, let's talk a little bit about Podio so people can walk away with a, with an automation tool and they can walk away with a people automation plan as well. Well, the secret is, you get a VA and Podio, and the VA manages Podio. <laughs> there you go. Excellent. Fantastic. So um, what are the kind of, you know, the kind of power features or hidden gems in Podio that you found? Yeah, look, um, the hidden gems in Podio, and like I think there's a ton of good op options on the market. Like a lot of people do love Asana and that, which I'm not against, but where Podio kind of comes into its own element is the fact you can design your own flows. 
And what I mean by that is um, in our business day-to-day, we might have, you know, new leads, an onboarding system, and then a client system. But um, it's kind of a very custom to each business. So what I need for onboarding would be very different to another business. And that's why I kind of set templates or flows don't really work. The power features with Podio is that you can pretty much flow out your whole business and run Podio like a system. So over other things like Trello where it could be a mess, this is where it becomes very, very organized. I suppose another really good power feature is just the connectivity to other things. So we look at um, the API integrations into something like Xero, um, which is an accounting software, meaning that the options are there which you could um, fire an alert in Podio if someone hasn't paid their invoice or that you need to send another invoice. Yeah, very cool. And and you've been playing around with Globiflow lately, is that right? Yeah, Globiflow is kind of like, um, we say it's like the steroids for um, Podio in all honesty. Um, very, very lucky a friend got it on, got me onto it a while back. And this is, um, I guess the best way to describe Globiflow is that you can set off flows. So this is something I know you're a big fan of, Barry, but if you've got a type of project where you do it every time, so this might be you've got 20 tasks that happen every time you get a new client, to have that automatically created every time you create a new client in Podio um, is going to save you about 20 minutes in setup, which I just think is a great, great feature. And then the other side of things when you look at that as well is you can have tasks fire off the completion of other tasks. So if you're in a business where you require three or four people touching things and the last person needs to finish it before the next one can start, the idea of one team member ticking off I'm done and then a task is created for another team member was um, very, very crucial to us. Yeah, it's very cool. It's well worth a look, you know, uh, as Charles was saying that, if you have some sort of project, so you, in Podio you have workspaces and you might have a project workspace where you're managing multiple projects, but maybe you have four or five different certain types of projects and say, you know, a migration project has these 15 tasks. So if you say create a new project, what kind of project is it? Oh, it's a migration project. Click, save. There's your 20 tasks there. There's your 15 tasks already built out, already assigned to whoever they need to be assigned to in two seconds. It's great. And I think the cool bit, about, as you said, going hand in hand with working a VA is is while you're designing those processes in Podio, you're going, right, okay, I do this bit, they do that bit, I do this bit, they do that bit. Um, and as you're building the process out, you're also thinking about who does which bit of that process as well, which is pretty cool. Well, that's, um, I suppose you even mentioned this earlier as well. It's like it forces you to ask yourself the right questions and then work out how you can systemize things. And that's what I, you know, I truly love about it is because when you can work out your flow and how you're actually working and design your system, effectively you're then making it replaceable, meaning someone else could do it, not you, because you've got something that can be followed. And I think that's incredibly valuable to all businesses. Yeah, and back to the three pillars from the active marketer, design, automate, and scale. So if you're designing that process flow uh, in Podio or whatever happens to be the tool of your choice, and you're figuring out how we're going to automate this process going forward. And then the scale bit can either be either more software or it can be more VAs, you know, one VA, two VA, 10 VAs, well, however many you need to scale that process to however big you want it to go, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, very cool. All right. So just going back to getting some VAs on board to help you out and pick up those parts of the process that um, you're going to need to scale with people versus software. Um, what are some of the common mistakes of when people first get a VA on board? 
I guess the the most common mistake we see with um, across the board. So this is um, number one. It's like, and I use the medical analogy here, um, where if you have a cold, it's perfectly fine to go see a GP, a general practitioner. They can solve a pretty general problem, no issue at all. And they can even refer you to a specialist. Um, but if you have a very um, unique heart condition, then a GP is not the person you want to see. You want to go see a heart specialist. So I guess in the online world, I know this can be a little bit confusing, but sometimes people have got a task that is a very general task, which is great and that's perfect. That in other times they really need like a developer or someone who can write code for a very specialist task. So one of the most common mistakes is expectations that a VA can do really, really defined um, work that is a specialist work and someone you should get someone who just does that all day long to do and you'll get a really a much better result. So this comes back to the start of going, you know, what are the tasks I actually want to give a VA and if, do or do I want to invest in my VA to learn that type of skill? Yeah, and, and, you know, I always think too, I've been managing teams since I left university in one form or another and it's I always find that, you know, people are always going to do best on the stuff they're interested in. So if you find out what their motivation is and what they really love to do, obviously they're going to do that job much, much better than some other job that you give them. So I think you play to the people's strengths as well. Ask them what they want to do. Ask them what they're excited about and, and they'll far and away exceed your expectations of just farming off general work to them, if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. And like the, the key example would be copywriting in my opinion. Like I wouldn't hire a virtual assistant and then expect them to be able to write sales copy. I think that's a very specialist skill. Go yeah. hire a copywriter. Yeah, I can't do it. Why would <laughs> exactly. they be able to do it, right? So. Oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, um, yeah, so that's one of them. And then the other one, you know, one of the common ones is, you know, web development. Like there's some basic tasks a VA can be trained for, but if you're expecting uh, sites to be built or membership sites, like definitely use a specialist. You're going to get a much better return. Yeah, for sure. And I guess, too, it comes down to, you know, is this a task we're going to have to do over and over again? Or is it, you know, if you're like you're talking about a membership site setup thing, that's thing, something you're going to have to do once and then it's done and you're not going to really need that skill set anymore. So maybe you're better off getting a contractor on board who, whose whole job it, or whole profession it is is doing that one thing. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good point. Um, all right. So we've decided we want a VA. We want one. We want to put one on tomorrow. What's the first steps? So the first steps, or if you would like to come and uh, get a VA with Outsourcing Angel, the first steps is to uh, go to outsourcingangels.com.au and uh, fill out an inquiry form. Um, but in all honesty, it's you know going through that process of self-evaluation of have you got the stuff there to make this all work and then be willing to trial a few people or different VAs or do those interviews and then you know just taking it one bite at a time. Start with the key task you can get off their plate, do it really, really well, and then just keep adding small things at a time. And do you, do you suggest someone go straight for like a full time forty hour a week person, or um, part time, or any, or does it really just depend on what the requirements are? Yeah, great question. So um, a lot of people start with a part time VA, obviously for the economics. Like it's cheaper to start with a, a part time VA. But where I'll kind of go with on that one is like I went straight to a full time VA before I had enough work for them. And I made the decision that in the downtime or when I didn't have work for them, I was going to get her to train. So I said, like, whenever I don't have work for you, this is what I want you to be doing. And we started with things like Photoshop. So for the first um, month, my VA was practicing, you know, Photoshop for one or two hours extra a week. And she really developed that skill quite quickly. So I actually kind of was able to add a really valuable skill to my business in the downtime. 
And then the second thing we went with was podio. So my VA was watching hours and hours of podio training, <laughs> which in a, um, which has actually turned out to be one of the best things we ever did because she actually runs the podio um, for the business now. And she comes up with all kinds of great ideas and is actually very kind of proactive with it, which has been great. But that never would have happened unless I gave her that opportunity. So sometimes we, you know, giving people a little bit more time and, you know, investing in the training can be really, really valuable. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. I didn't think of that. I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that now. All right, Charles. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for coming on and sharing your insight with us about how to hire and manage VAs and uh, automate your business with uh, people as well as software. Um, outsourcingangel.com.au, the best place for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Well, thanks for that. And uh, we look forward to seeing you online. Thanks for seeing me, Barry. Thanks, Charles. Thanks very much to Charles for coming on and sharing his expertise on sourcing VAs. And if you want to head over to the show notes over at theactivemarketer.com forward slash VA, you'll find all the show notes and all the links we mentioned in the show so you can get further information on how you can start putting VAs to work in your business, which I highly recommend. And if you could do us a favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a review in iTunes, that's how they rank you. That's how you drives your podcast up near the top and helps other people find this information. So if you found this episode useful, please go over to iTunes and give us a rating and review and share it with somebody who also might find it useful. So look forward to seeing you next week on the Active Marketer Podcast. In the meantime, get out there and design, automate, and scale your business to the next level with sales and marketing automation. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.